Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com mailbag podcast brought to you by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. You can check them out at BlueH2O underscore climate, or you can visit them online at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. Plenty to get to on this mailbag podcast, and what we're going to do today is we'll just dive right into the middle of it. So, Austin, going to start with you. Is Tennessee still the favorite for Dawkins? Do they have a legit shot for Brashard Smith and Leonard Taylor? You know, I don't know if they're still the favorite for Dawkins. I, he, he put it on hold for a reason. Obviously, whether it be South Carolina or Georgia or both, they gave him pause to make him want to wait um, uh, until his birthday uh, near the end of June. Uh, I still think Tennessee's a major player there. I'm not going to say anybody leads at this point, even though I think that, the you know, I, I know that the pick was going to be Tennessee had he done it last Sunday. Um, you know, as far as, you know, Richard, Tennessee's trying to swing there. I think they're in play, but I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think they're the leader or anything like that. But they're in play there. And who was the last one he asked about? Leonard Taylor. Leonard Taylor. Tennessee to me is way down the list for Leonard Taylor. Like I, I don't think that, that Tennessee's a major player there. They're swinging, but I, I don't think that as of now, um, I would call them heavily in, in the mix right now. All right, let's you got go. too many ties to the Gator Dog schools. That's, that's exactly right. Too many ties to your to your favorites there, Jesse. Georgia and Florida. All right, let's go to Ball <laughs> with his question. Name a prospect or two on Tennessee's board that the cancellation of summer camps impacted the most. Jesse, I'll start with you. Who, who did who did Tennessee want to see in this camp sequence that's not going to happen? That Tennessee or that the prospect needed Tennessee to see them to really help their chances of, of Tennessee being a big factor for them. Uh, maybe the in-state linebacker. Collie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's obviously uh, coveted by several other big time programs, but I think Tennessee was a little bit more curious about him. We've discussed this. Austin's kind of beat this narrative uh, for many years. You know, it's easier, obviously, for out of state schools to kind of come into Tennessee and cherry pick players, whereas Tennessee has to make sure uh, their evaluations on guys in this state are correct. And I think they like Prince, but they wanted to see him kind of perform in front of their coaches and the lack of, of camps and whether it was a rivals camp or, or, or just obviously the, the Tennessee uh, camps on campus or, you know, have negated that opportunity. You know what about that though? I, I, I keep going back. I, I, is he coveted or did he just get offers from Georgia and some of these schools? The kid at Greenback got the same offers. He's at Virginia Tech. I mean, I, and, and that's not a knock on Virginia Tech, but Virginia Tech's not Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU, some of these schools that offered the kid at Greenback. That's why I keep going back. You know, is Prince Collie another one of those where they get offers, but they're not really a take or they're still deciding on? You're right. It's easy to throw out those offers. I think he, in state, he is the perfect example of that. And then honestly, I think a guy like Trey Curry would have really benefited from having a camp season and having the coaches work him out individually. Because I know there's a lot of interest in, in his big frame uh, from the Tennessee staff, but I still think he's a bit down the board. And let's face it, how many more big boned tight end receiver type players can they sign or get committed in this class well just as a follow-up i will say uh that that's why the senior seasons is going to be so important for these yeah. guys as an evaluation standpoint now i think at some point in the recruiting process over the last four or five years the senior tape seemingly has diminished a little bit because of the camp seasons uh the cycle before that actually reversed last year it seemed like where a lot of folks were kind of reevaluating stuff based on senior tape. I think that's going to be the narrative again um, this season, if obviously there is football, 
because the lack of exposure in front of these coaches, that senior tape, where they are now, how much that's different and change in terms of their measurables, in terms of how fast they are, in terms of their production is going to be important for so many kids, a guy like Prince Collie, Trey Curry, you know, particularly in the state of Tennessee. And I'll be brief right here before we get on to the next question. I wonder, you know, normally in the fall, coaches go out some, but before games they don't really – do that a whole lot I wonder if you see a, a more conscious effort to take helicopters and airplanes and stuff to games on Friday nights because there was no summer camp season to go watch a game to, to, to take a helicopter over to Davy Crockett and watch a Prince Collie or whatever you know what I'm saying I mean to, to be a little more active on Friday night than they have been in the past I mean they go out some but right. it's, it's few and far between well, and I, I think that's the, the, the interesting balance, Rob, that's going to occur in recruiting this fall. Evaluation, as Austin just mentioned, and then how do you do official visits? How do you manage that? What's going to be allowed? What's not going to be allowed, given what your crowd can be or can't be inside a stadium? I, I think when you talk about it, you know, there's plenty of excitement about, hey, getting players back on campus this, you know, in the coming weeks to start working out, the six-week window to get ready to start a season, try to get the season in. But what does the crowd look like? And then conversely, what is recruiting going to look like this fall? I think it's going to be really intriguing, not just for football, but also for basketball, because that's a huge, that's a huge deal basketball uses to their advantage, Rob, when you talk about official visits and getting guys on campus on game day weekends. Nor, I mean, I think that's, a, that's going to be a huge question. I mean, if you're going to allow crowd, you know, any kind of crowds whatsoever, i got to think you're going to have, have to have visits. And I wonder if official visits in the season will be more prevalent just simply from the fact that kids haven't been able to, you know, get out and see any place in the spring or, you know, sounds like probably the, the summer as well with no camp season. I think I got to think it's going to be a lot more active, uh, but you're right about basketball. I mean, they, Coach Barnes and his staff love being able to use football as a, you know, big football weekends as a, as a staging grounds for official visits. And, um, you know, they do a great job at it and talk about, uh, football evalu evaluations, basketball evaluations have been crippled. I mean, they had two live weekends in April um, where they get out and be at these huge shoe tournaments. That that's obviously didn't happen. Same for football. No, you know, nobody was out to, get to watch spring practice. And, um, you know, both both sports, the, the coaches of both sports are having to rely way more on, on junior evaluations than they have in the past. All right, let's go to UT Sportsman 16's question. We didn't get to it last week. Is Tennessee expecting some players not to come back when players are allowed to come back? Or do you think everyone will come back, give fall camp a go, make a decision then to stay or transfer? Obviously, you got a couple of crowded room, position rooms. How do you think this is going to go? Do you think everybody's going to come back for the summer at this point in time? Well, I think that they'll come back. But I think that there'll be a few people that, you know, get some conversations with them pretty much right away I mean I you know I think that you know certain people make a ton of sense uh, as to why they won't be back I mean you look at the quarterback room the problem is, is I mean really the only two that you would look at that would potentially leave are you know Shrout and Maurer Shrout's got a girlfriend on one of the is it soccer team softball. softball team you know I mean you know so is, is he going to leave I mean maybe he does maybe he thinks okay you know it's I gotta do what's best for me um and then of course Maurer with all he's been going through I just don't you know you know, does you know does he leave? I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, I, uh, running back rooms, another one. Carlin Fields and me is a perfect candidate for a guy that I could not see back on this football team. You know, 
And then there's some other guys that signed a few years ago, guys like Brandon Davis, Jesse, that, you know, at the time we were, they were kind of head scratching takes, you know, I mean, would he be a candidate to potentially move on? So what, what yeah, is I mean, the number I, right now? Well, it's not a hard number because they can obviously do some gymnastics with guys they awarded scholarships to. Yeah, they've but got like four or five spots the, where they offered scholarships to kids, yeah. It is still somewhere in the part of, of between 90 and 93. It's somewhere. And then so they're going to need some attrition there. And that's not counting Jeremy Banks, uh, who we expect to come back. Yes. Yes, yeah, we that, do. And that'll be interesting to see what happens in, in the summer. You know, um, does everybody come back in the coming days? We'll just have to wait and see. I've not heard anybody say that, but I think a lot of kids are trying to figure out what they can and can't do. And then obviously with the transfer rule being tabled until January, as we expected, these guys can't transfer and be eligible immediately somewhere in a lot of cases. So I, I think that's going to make for some um, hard conversations at some point in time that are going to take place probably in the coming weeks with some guys beyond not renewing some walk-ons, the scholarships maybe they had a year ago. Uh, Volunteer to 87 asked this one a week ago. We didn't get to hit it either, so I'm going to get to both these this weekend. He wanted to know uh, – he asked it for me, but I'm going to throw this Austin and Rob's way as well – Best high school basketball player, best high school football player you've seen come through Knoxville or the surrounding communities that did not go Division One uh, because maybe they were too small, they didn't have the grades, or et cetera. Best player that you've seen in the high school ranks that get that didn't go that did not go D one. Uh, well, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go basketball here first, even though it's not my sport that I necessarily cover, and I'm gonna go with kind of a fringe guy because he made himself a Division One player, and that's the kid, Dre Matthew, over at Central. I mean, he, he, he had to go junior college ranks and, and weave around, you know, to get to get to Minnesota, where he played for Rick Pitino Jr. Uh, you know, outside of that, Lester Wilson at Carter was a really, really good player. He played at ETSU. Um, Football-wise? I go back a few years in football-wise. I mean, Fulton had what, – what was his name? Fred Roper? Was that, was that the quarterback's name at Fulton? Several years. No, ago. it wasn't Fred Roper. It was uh, Penny Smith. You know about Penny Smith? Yeah, I think there was one before him. Roper, I think, was his last name. So you probably kicking slats out of the crib when when he played. Maybe <laughs> my age is my age is showing up for me. They had a couple kids come through there um, that you know that were good players that a lot of people thought were right on the cusp that maybe it didn't happen. You know, in terms of them, you know, getting to that level. I, you know, it's hard for me to come up with come up with a bunch of those guys right off the top of my head. You know, maybe some guys at, at Maryville or in Alcoa when they were first getting started that maybe did not get an opportunity at the Division one level that were close, you know, to, to being, you know, that type of player. Um, you know, so that, I, I just don't – I don't have a real good answer for you there. His follow-up was um, – Dre's, Dre's a good pull for hoops, though, AP, because he's – you know, I, 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 I want to throw a basketball in there. Even though, I mean, he technically he was a Division one player but at, at USC Upstate, but that's not high major. But Ty Green from Bearden was a, a really good basketball player, and I know I know talking with some uh, former some people, former Tennessee assistant coaches, that they have a lot of regrets for uh, not taking him or not, not recruiting him hard um, back. I guess kind of at the tail end of the Bruce Bruce Pearl era. And shout out to Balls Ten Twenty Four. All right, so Balls Ten Twenty Four, who just had a baby, he's now a father. 
Congratulations, Vol, 1024. All right, follow-up question there was about Oklahoma. And uh, he said the question was, is he cra- am I crazy for thinking Tennessee's got a real opportunity to go to Oklahoma and win that game? When you look at this schedule, is that of, of the, big, the big games that everybody talks about, is that one maybe the most winnable, even though it's on the road with all that Oklahoma's losing? I think it's most winnable, especially given the fact that, you know, providing there's football – there probably won't be a full stadium that day. Uh, at least I, I think it'll be hard to have a, a full stadium of fans, um, you know, at least early in the year. And Rattler's not got much experience. They've lost Jaden Hazelwood for the first part of the season. And their defense is trash. So, yeah, I mean, out of the, when you look at Georgia, Florida, Bama, and Oklahoma, I would say Oklahoma is the most realistic to potentially win. A cosign. All right. The the whole the whole idea that basically all these teams are going to be playing what is it could be equivalent of twelve scrimmages if they're not fans does I think uh, seriously impact you know college football almost more than the NFL just because of the home field advantages. Yeah, I mean, and this is a question I posed yesterday to a couple of people I talked to. Once you and I know money's going to get involved, so it probably won't have an impact as far as like this decision, but as far as looking at how fair it is. How fair would it be if you're Tennessee, Florida gets to come here early in the year and you've got, let's say, 50% capacity. But everything gets better, and by the time you go to Georgia in November, you're, in fr- you're having to play in front of a full crowd. You know, I mean, that, yeah, how, how do you juggle that? How, how does that decision get made? I'm sure it gets made with the almighty dollar, but I do think that, you know, that's something that, you know, to Jesse's point, could have a huge impact on – how games are played, who wins, and, and, and who loses, who makes conference championship games. Well, I just think that's life. And you just have, I mean, the same way. It is. From a, I mean, from a, and I know that's, you're not, you, you agree with that. But from a financial standpoint, if you don't get to have as many fans in September as you do in November, guess what? If your home schedule is backloaded in November, you're going to make more money, you know, because you're going to get the gate from those games. That's just, that's just life. And sell 40,000 more $13 beers. Yep, exactly. There's nothing you can do about it. All right, Go Vols 21 wants to know, who is one former Vol you thought would have success in the NFL that didn't? Who is one former Vol that you never thought would have NFL success that has? P.S., I know at least one of you is going to say Justin Coleman for question number two. So I'll start with question number one. Former Vol you thought would have a successful NFL career that didn't pan out for him. I'm going to throw one at you. Justin Harrell was a first-round draft pick. Yeah, that was he'd be on my short list, and um, you know I know it ended tragically for him. But Jesse Mahalona, I thought after after his first year here at Tennessee, coming from junior college, I thought he would be uh, a pretty big deal in the NFL. All right, give and, me a uh, number two is easy for me aside from Coleman and Manuel Mosley. I didn't think yep. he'd be playing at a quarter, playing at a Super Bowl at cornerback. Yeah, he was he was the, he was gonna be my pick. That's a good pull. There's yeah. a lot of guys although although like. the uh, Eric Parker's of the world and 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 you know I mean even after what happened with Tony McDaniel, Abreu Franklin played for a long time in the league. I mean there were a lot of guys that Tennessee had that you know just kind of had eh, college careers that ended up playing for a long time in the NFL. How about one of the best stories? How about Morgan Cox? This was a long snapper. He ended up playing. I mean maybe ten years for the Ravens. Won a Super Bowl. Oh, he's played longer than that. He's played a bunch. What about, ahead, Jesse? What about what about Yakum? Yakum Johnson, yeah. I mean, well, Yakum the, Johnson did 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 next to nothing at Tennessee, and and now he's gonna be on the fifty-three man roster for whatever the third straight year or whatever with the Patriots. 
It's a good one. That is a good one. Iron Vol wants to know, with the NCAA lifting ban on football activities June 1st, everyone pick one player they think having a full summer workout benefits them the most. Rob, feel free to jump in there with football and also a freshman basketball player or a basketball player with a freshman in mind as well. So let's talk about this to break it down. Player that getting back June 1st was most important for on the football team. Darnell Wright. Darnell Wright. Okay. I think that, you know, getting back in the weight room here, having some direction, I think helps him a ton. Defensively, any of the linebackers. Crouch, J.J. Peterson, who I think trying to learn on the field is way easier than trying to learn virtually. And then potentially a guy that we I, I fully expect to be back. I'm with Jesse, uh, but I don't know if he's back June 1st, but I think he'll be back at some point in the next month, month and a half, is Jeremy Banks. Jesse, go ahead. Uh, I was going to actually choose J.J. Peterson defensively. Um, Darnell is, is the easiest pick offensively because of what we expect him. His weight issues uh, or potential weight issues that look like could have been bubbling there, uh, you know, at the beginning of spring. So another guy I think that will be important for is a guy like, you know, Karon Calvert. Where is, you know, where is he going to be physically? Uh, and then can he kind of continue to battle Darnell for, for what could be the right tackle job? Rob, uh, I would. I mean, talking football, I would go. I would go on JJ Peterson, just top of my, top of my head. And basketball, I mean, you throw any of the fresh. It's always important for freshmen. But I think Viscovi, after you know getting thrown into the fire with no preparation, I think off season is going to be crucial for him. And also tossing there, Argentina is a country that's not allowed, you know, travel right now. How does that impact him getting back? And uh, Plagic, I, I thought the summer was going to be huge for Euros. If he's going to, you know, come close to turning himself into some somebody that can that can really help this team the way they need him to. I'll throw one more out there defensively, since since several of us said JJ. I think it's I think it's important that Trayvon Flowers is coming back, and this is not necessarily for a weight room deal, but that kind of like Austin was talking about the virtual learning versus actually being there on the field, getting that extra attention. Um, he's a guy we've talked about, just hadn't played a ton of football. And so I think getting him back around the facilities is going to be important for his potential role on the team in 2020. All right. Deshaun13 wants to know what player on each side of the ball you're most interested in seeing in a live scrimmage. We don't get to see live scrimmage. So um, no answer there. Although obviously Harrison Bailey would jump to the top of the list because everybody is going to want to know about every ball, every ball that Harrison Bailey throws while he's uh, on, a, on the Tennessee practice field. Braysvall wants to know about the fact that the transfer rule was tabled. What does that mean for JT Daniels? Does Tennessee continue to recruit him, knowing that he may have to sit out? They have Bailey on campus. Ty Simpson is in the class coming up. What's the confidence level for the May, from the Mays camp on winning their appeal? Uh, attrition from our roster now that they've got to get down uh, to knowing they got to win an appeal to get down to 85. We've kind of already jumped on that. Let me talk about the Mays situation. I believe the NCAA, if you're transferring closer to home and you've already transferred, I think the NCAA is going to grant you an appeal. I, I don't think they're going to fight you on that appeal. I won't say rubber stamp, but I think if you've already transferred to a school and you have, and you're going to be closer to home, I think you're going to win an appeal. That's why I believe Cade Mays. I've always thought he was going to win the appeal. I don't have really any doubts that he's going to win the appeal uh, because I don't think the NCAA is going to step in in that situation. Now, JT Daniels transferring, it's not closer to home if he goes to Tennessee or LSU. 
Does he have a case to win an appeal? He's not at a school somewhere yet. I don't think it's a lay down JT Daniels is eligible this fall. And if that's the case, what does a Tennessee do with him? Would they continue to recruit him knowing he has to set out? I mean, I don't, I don't think we can, we know the answer to that question. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that Tennessee continues to have dialogue there, but you know, JT, it's not just JT Daniels. You got to factor in his dad's a big part of the decision-making process. Um, you know, even though JT's the one that's going to class and going to practice and playing games, just like his recruitment, JT's dad's uh, got a big say in, in what goes on. So, you know, I think just like, you know, sometimes you got to win a mama in recruiting, this time you have to win a dad. And so, you know, who, who can win that dad over to me will be a big uh, deciding factor for that one. All right, let's go to Jake Dog 13. Vols on top for Malcolm Johnson. What's the linebacker board look like other than Smile Munden? Would the Vols uh, have to offer uh, Travelli Price's brother uh, a full ride to get to Travelli? And Peyton Page or TID more likely to be a Vol? Let's go one at a time. Buddy. All right, let's go one uh, at a time. Malcolm Johnson, I don't think Tennessee's the leader for Malcolm Johnson. I don't think there is a leader for Malcolm Johnson, but Tennessee's heavily in the mix there. Um, Travali Price, they're not going to offer his his brother, so that's not going to happen. Uh, they don't have to offer him to land him. The only school that has offered that kid is NC State. South Carolina has not. Uh, uh, there was a notion that, that they had, but that has not happened. So it's just NC State, and I don't think people, you know, necessarily around that family want him to go to NC State unless it's just, you know, mandatory. Um, Munden, what's a linebacker of the board look like behind Smile I mean, Munden? Prince Colley's there. Obviously, they're going to continue to recruit Junior Colson. Um, you know, Cayman Marley's a candidate to be an outside backer um, who just committed, um, you know, a couple of days ago. So, I mean, like, you know, there, there's some options there at linebacker. Um, Tennessee's got, you know, a couple now committed with, with Terrence Lewis, who, again, is going to be a thrill a minute until uh, signing day with Aaron Willis. Um, and then, you know, of course, Marley could play safety. I mean, he's got about a 220-pound 200, frame right now. So, I mean, like he, he's going to get even bigger um, and, and runs really well. So, I, you know, you can, you can see him being a bigger safety or you can see him bulking up a little bit more playing linebacker out of the way. Um, you know, again, I think the staff likes him on defense. And, uh, you know, what was the other question? Uh, Page or TID? Yeah. <laughs> right now, I, Page doesn't have a commitment date. TID does. I don't I – don't, I can see Tennessee landing both, and I can see him missing out on both. So, I'm not – I guess I'm dancing around the question, but, I mean, I don't think – nothing is set in stone with either one of those kids at this point. I can tell you, generally, I can see him landing both, can see him missing on both. As it pertains to Johnson, how many more wideouts would they take in this class? And you saw Brashard Smith just put Tennessee in his top five. They're in there, I mean, with what they've got already. I think they would take one of the two of those two kids. You know, I mean, I just don't think they're going to be able to land both. I mean, they might not be able to land either one of them. Um, but they would – they, they, they may not – Go ahead, Jesse. And they, may not be, and they may not be keeping every guy that's in this class either. Correct. Right. That's 100% right. They're not going – I mean, like everybody that's committed – Again, what they at twenty three right now or twenty four? You, you got to look at the fact that Tennessee's probably at eighteen or nineteen. That's how I would look at this class. I mean, they're going to be natural defections, whether it be again be self inflicted or a kid decides on his own that he's he's you know going to go do something else. Here's a good follow up to that. One ten one ten fan. I can't read anything today. I wanted to know this question because of everything going on and where the numbers that Tennessee's at, Jesse. 
will there be in recruiting in general? I'm going to ask this as a general recruiting question. Will there be more blue shirting this year than we've seen in previous years because uh, of the, the, the fact that visits are going to be hard to come, you know, maybe harder to do than they've done in years past? Could you see more blue shirts out there as a possibility? Or do coaches value the scholarships, the fact the transfer rule, uh, you know, likely to go into effect in January? That they're not going to they're not going to take scholarships away from next year's recruiting class. You may see a couple, but I don't I don't I don't think we're going to see a rash of blue shirts just because each one of those scholarships is like eighty five pieces of gold, and kind of you know how you spend that bouillon is, is going to determine your ultimate success as a, as a, as a team. And so you may see them. Obviously, we've talked about it. Keep a spot or two for these grad transfers. I think if it had been greenlit, where they could already you know immediately transfer you were going to see schools maybe hold even more spots but now that's going to be that they've kicked that can down the road I think the biggest thing of this impact is we are going to see a rash of decommitments not necessarily saying from Tennessee although I do think there will be some attrition but I just think you're seeing so many guys make decisions now where it's almost like just you know using Austin's parlance they're kind of you know just reserving a spot you know they're just getting a ticket and then we'll, they'll uh you know see if they're going to cash it or not so I don't think the blue shirt thing is going to be something that explodes though out of out, as an outcome of this all right Vol, I am how far away is Tennessee from having the depth needed to compete in the upper echelon of the SEC early improved tenure you talked about having no depth so third year in where does Tennessee stand on the depth how do you assess, uh, assess Pruitt to this point and building depth. Rob, I'll start with you. What do you think the depth is of this team? I think the offensive line is there. I mean, I, I mean I've talked repeatedly about this. I think they're set up better there in terms of both talent and depth, especially if Cade's eligible, talent and depth, as they have been in years and years. Defensively, I mean, because of the question at the edge, you know, I, I don't think that you feel quite as confident in the, in the front seven as you do, but I Offensive line-wise, they, they are there. I think they look better across the board. I don't think there's places where – I mean, I, and I think they'll find this with every team out there. Nobody has enough depth. I think there's some critical areas, areas as Rob mentioned, where Tennessee has to continue to elevate their recruiting, which is why the edge guys are so important in this class for moving forward uh, and, and developing some depth and, and trying to figure out kind of what – you know, what's coming up next there. Um, UT Vol fan 29, what type of record do you think Tennessee needs? I love these questions. To hold the majority of the upper tier players. And what kind of impact would a win over Georgia or Alabama have for Tennessee? I don't I know. Think it would be a, I just think it would be an indication that, that they're heading in the right direction. You beat Georgia or Alabama, that means you're beating teams that have been in the playoffs since the playoff came into an existence. You've beaten teams that have made it to Atlanta and, and, and on both sides of the, the conference ledger. So, I mean, like, in my mind, that, that carries a bunch of weight in, in proving that you're, you know, you're taking a huge step as a football program. Um, you know, as for, you know, holding on to it, I think Tennessee, if Tennessee can go 8-4 and four in the regular season, you know, with, with the schedule they have, I think that, that holds on to a majority of these guys. Yeah, I mean, I, if you beat Georgia or Alabama this year, you're, you're – that's – You're probably going better than 8-4. and four. It probably, probably. Um, but what I was going to say, that's, that, that, that would be, you know, the best win Tennessee's had since Butch went back-to-back, you know, over Florida uh, and Georgia in 16. And then before that, I don't know. I mean, you know, you're talking about two teams 
coming up that are expected to compete again for the playoff, like AP's saying. So, See, I think and, if, they get, beat, if they beat either one of those teams, Jesse, to me that's as big a win as Tennessee's had in 15 years. Because yeah, I was the wins over he, Florida and Georgia, that was an okay Florida team. I know they went to back-to-back. Tennessee should have been in Atlanta both those years, and Butch let them off the hook. And then Georgia, that was Kirby's first year, you know, and, and, and had a young quarterback in, in Eason. So, I mean, I think if Tennessee wins either one of those games this year, that's as big a win as they've had in 15 years. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, I, I don't just dis, I don't disagree with with that at all. Um, you know, part of this is just about relationships too. Can you get on the field? How much does you know does all the peer recruiting hold together? All those things are, are certainly variables there. Got just a couple minutes left. You know, expected that players are going to be back on campus in, in the next coming weeks. What do we think this is going to look like, Rob? I'll start with you in basketball. What do you think it's going to look like for Rick Barnes once he's get players back? What's he going to be allowed to do? What does he think he's going to be able to do? with this basketball team moving forward? I think for basketball, you're going to have a, a much better chance of it being back to normal just because of the size of the roster you're dealing with. I think the much bigger challenge is going to be football. Like how many kids are in the weight room at, at one time? How many, you know, how do you, how do you stagger that? You have to stagger it. But basketball, I mean, from talking to people, I think it's going to be pretty close to business as usual. I mean, just simply because of the numbers. Rob or Austin, what do you think it's going to look like football wise? I think Tennessee's going to, you know, be somewhere between that 15 and 20 number as far as what there are in groups. Um, You know, I I think that, you know, it will be different because there won't be balls in play. You know, with football, it's not like, you know, the basketball team can go out and each of them can have, you know, 15 basketballs and and everybody shoots on their own and and dribbles on their own and you're not, you know, transferring a bunch of stuff. But with football, that's not possible. So, I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of work without football over the next month, and then, and then I think they'll just gradually progress into using more and more stuff. Yep, all schools, Jesse, are trying to figure out a finalized plan. How are they going to do testing? How are they going to monitor? Are they going to test on the front end when they go in? You know, what kind of testing are you going to do? All of those things are what administrators are trying to figure out here um, as you move forward with, with the thought process of bringing some student-athletes back to campus. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it – it, Again, folks, uh, there's been, you know, a certain segment even on our board that is like, uh, young people can't get sick and all that. They're, they're not going to die. And that's just that they're overlooking the point. They're, they, these schools are taking extreme precautions, as are, you know, all the professional leagues and, and, and sports as a whole, uh, of protecting both the players and the players that these people come in contact with. And so um, – Tennessee is, is doing its due diligence. You know, they, they had a, this, you know, person had a specific question about the weight room, AP talking about 15 to 20, you know, that's going to be difficult to even navigate in those regards, but whether it's Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, you know, whoever, they're, they're trying to assign the best protocols they have with the information that we currently have to keep these people safe while also getting them prepared for the 2020 season. And that's the the pro the protocols, and they're all putting those putting those things in place here uh, this weekend, next week to get ready for the return of student athletes in the coming days and weeks ahead uh, for sports, uh, football, basketball, and then eventually the other sports as well. Hey, if you're in the market for a re- a heating new heating and air system, you need a reliable company. I want to tell you about uh, Blue Water Climate Control. Do what Sam did. He called them up. Says those guys were great. They were on time, polite. Can't say enough good things about them. Had some small issues. The service tech 
didn't shoot him a line of bull, just shot him straight. The reason is they sent a service tech out. They didn't send a sales guy out there to put a bunch of pressure on you to buy something that you don't need. They send a sale, they send a service guy out to look at your system and decide what you need and tell you what to need. Uh, Sam says he would de definitely recommend them to friends, family, anybody out there. I would definitely recommend them as well. This Blue Water Climate Control veteran-owned family operator, Jeremy and his staff will service you and will take care of your needs. Give them a call at 865-299-2290 or you can visit them at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com to make an appointment. Blue Water is an authorized dealer for American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. For Austin Price, Jesse Simonton, and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us on this mailbag edition of the VolQuest.com podcast.